Welcome to Netfront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, Post-Dispatch, joined by the beat reporters Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman. We're recording this ahead of the uh, Blues' next preseason game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They've been busy, but guys, we got to start out on a negative note. Um, boy, against all odds, something we've never seen happen before. Uh, the man who will never be confused with Keith Yandel, Scott Perunovich, uh, suffers still another injury. Man, this kid cannot cannot catch a break, JT. No, and it was a pretty innocent-looking play. I mean, he wasn't uh, he wasn't bumped that hard, but he just kind of braced himself. It's a pretty common move uh, with his left uh, hand, and boy, as soon as the uh, as the contact, uh, he was holding that wrist right uh excuse me left uh left hand and off the ice he went and uh you know normally after a game you know a guy could could get shot from the stands and i i should joke about that but chief baruby says well he's going to be evaluated but right off the bat uh, uh baruby said it didn't look good and uh although there was still no update today who knows by the time this comes out there there may be but uh uh it doesn't look good at all uh, we recall it was his left wrist that had the surgery last year. This was his, his left hand. It looked like he was holding his wrist when he left the ice. And, you know, today after practice, he said he's still being evaluated. And I, I don't think that's necessarily like a coach speak or whatever. I remember last year uh, it took, took them a while to determine what exactly was wrong with that wrist and, and what they needed. So whatever that was, it was uh, difficult to find. Maybe if it's the same injury, and again, a little bit of presumption here, but uh, uh, I think it's not too hard to connect the dots. If it's the wrist again, maybe they're just trying to figure out exactly what's what's going on in there. I was I was thinking when we were talking to Baruby today that like a because the topic of question comes up is Perunovich injury prone? Is he fragile? Is it just bad luck? You know, if you think of a of a classic bell curve, or if you think that an average NHL player is going to get hurt three times significantly in a, in a six year career, you know, but one guy is going to be Keith Yandel and never get hurt. And the other guy is going to be Scott Perunovich and is going to get hurt, you know, six times in, in a year and a half. So uh, Perunovich is on that one end. And, um, you know, it's been said here many times that you can never have too much depth at defense. And I've said, I thought eight def defensemen was going to be too many, but it turns out, you can never have too many defensemen, and eight defensemen is enough, it looks like right now, is, was needed, is essential. Well, let's look at the uh, the, the near-term challenge. Uh, and so now it's, uh, you know, they're glad that they kept Kelly Rosen, uh, and he's may be thinking about trying to find a place to stay in St. Louis now because this uh, Marco Scandell is not going to be back until, at best, uh, very late in the regular season. Um and now it doesn't look good for Scott Perunovich, and he's the next guy in line. He uh, is a solid enough player, JT. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess ideally you would have perhaps liked to, uh, you know, you, there's so many things you wanted for Scott Perunovich. It's, it's hard to just, you know, this would be like, okay, well, we can get by with this guy. But uh, the, this defensive core, losing these two guys with question marks already in place, man, this mm -hmm. is – and, and what happens if somebody else gets hurt, JT? I mean, this is all starting to look pretty concerning. Yeah, it, it sure is. And now we, we have to keep in mind that they will have, uh, once uh, we get one day into the regular season uh, cap calendar, that they will have the $3.25 million 
available uh, for Scandella, at least until Scandella comes back. And that's not going to be before mid-March. So there's the possibility uh, that they could look for, for, for somebody. You know, already the, uh, the, the Jacob uh, Chikrin, uh, by, by the fantasy hockey players among, and there are many of them among the, uh, uh, the Blues, uh, they're probably the same ones that thought they had any kind of legitimate chance at, uh, at uh, Matthew Kachuk. But I, I think probably right now the Blues just kind of let the season settle in, assuming there are no more injuries. And it's not exactly, from Chief Berube's uh, comments today, it's not exactly a sure thing that Rosen is the seventh man. He talked up uh, Tyler Tucker uh, quite a bit today. Now, now Tom and I, we, we're, we're, dis we're discussing this uh, at practice. Uh, Rosen's probably a guy that's, that would be more adept and probably uh, wouldn't be good for Tucker this year if he came up as the seventh guy. And, and wasn't playing, you know, every day, but uh, they definitely like Tucker. It definitely looks like he's the next guy in line. I've really liked what I've seen. And, and Baruby talked about him too, Matt Kessel, but Tucker's had pretty much, I believe two full seasons in the AHL. So I think he's ready. Uh, you have to wonder if Kessel is, because remember he came, he came up after, UMass finished its college season. He ended up playing over 30 something games, but he, uh, between the playoffs and the end of the regular season. And, uh, uh, but he probably needs more work. So, uh, you know, keep an eye on, uh, keep an eye on Tucker. He may be a guy that has a chance to, to, to make the, uh, uh, the final 23. It's, it's a interesting situation there with the D yeah. Kelly Rosen didn't sound you know, he was like, eh, maybe, I don't know. He was, you know, it wasn't like he was saying, this is uh, great news. Here I go. When I chatted with him after practice today. Um, but um, yeah, they got guys. If you're going to make somebody a healthy scratch every night, I think Rosen's your guy, but uh, I mean, Kessel is the guy that's intrigued me, but yeah, he was playing college hockey a year ago. Um, so I think he needs more time. Tucker is further along, but um, you know, Callie Rosen was, was ninth on the depth chart, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago. And, uh, and now he's looking at uh, maybe starting the year here. All right, let's go and look at some of the other things a bit that have been more positive JT, as we uh, look at the group. And certainly uh, we've uh, spent a lot of time with our expressing angst about the defensive cord. Let's move up to the, uh, to the front lines. Um, they, uh, one of the interesting guys is as they try to sort through all of this, uh, um, the, the, sort of the reshuffling in the post David Perron era is, you know, how do you line up your, your third line in particular? Uh, how does your rework fourth line come together and really even your top six, uh, talk a little bit about Logan Brown, getting some, uh, you know, good reviews early coming into camp. Uh, he hung around last year. He, he got a, a, did enough to get a contract for this year. Um, but has yet to sustain, uh, success in the NHL. He's got the, he's got the pedigree. He's got the size. I'd like him more at center because I think he could handle the tempo at center versus the wing. Uh, what's your take so far on Logan Brown? Well, he, he's definitely making himself notice and making a statement uh, so far. Uh, you can tell he's, he's, he's gotten stronger over the off season, which was, was needed. And, and uh, he told me that he, uh, he really worked on his offense and his shooting and uh, he trained like all over the country. And it's like every city where he had a friend in the game, he went there and spent some, some uh, time, you know, a couple, three weeks with him. I think one was in the uh, Phoenix area in St. Louis. And I, I forget the third town, 
But I think it was a good thing because he got a different group of NHL players. Every one of these places, there were maybe a dozen or so NHL players that worked out uh, together. I thought about him last year that that he's got to look for his shot more. Uh, you know, e- even if he's not a, like a top six guy, we, we know maybe he's not going to be a prolific scorer in the league. And it seems like he's looking for a shot more. He's getting to the net front more, which when you're six foot seven or whatever he is, uh, he's, he, he, you got to do. So uh, he's doing the things that, uh, 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 that need to be done. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's definitely a good start for him. It complicates a whole lot of things as to how those bottom two lines look. If Logan Brown, you know, fits in because if, if he's the third line center, Ivan Barbashev and Braden Shen are going to be somewhere else. Shen back on the wing is Barbashev on the fourth line. Um, it, um, you know, it, it's pretty great for Logan Brown and he certainly has worked hard and, and is, you know, is if he can grab this opportunity, that's great. Um, but it, it really, that is kind of the linchpin on how those bottom two lines work. Because if he's in there, um, then, yeah, a lot of guys got to move into other places. Well, he'll never get a better opportunity. Than, and this may be his last one. Uh, this is the team that desperately needs guys in his age group to find a role. And they could definitely use a guy that's not going to make a ton of money, which is where he's at right now. But they, they definitely, same issue with Perunovic. They need him to develop because they need guys in his age group. They don't have a lot coming right now. They will have more coming as, as you go. Uh, maybe Tucker adds to that group on the blue line. They need as many guys in this age group as they can, they can get together that can actually help the team. And so if ever, other than going to a really horrible team like Arizona or Chicago, or uh, well, really those are your two horrible teams. Um, this is, this is it. I mean, he's going to get full run. And I thought last year he got maybe more run than he, than he earned even uh, injuries and other circumstances. Yeah, I think that's a good good point. I, he he they, they did give him a lot of opportunities, and he's got a great opportunity here. The top six is pretty much set, uh, at least entering the season. Uh, we, we know it's going to be Buchnevich, Thomas Tarasenko. Uh, tonight's game with Columbus, that'll be their first uh, first time uh, Ruby takes that line out for a spin. The, uh, the other line, it's going to be O'Reilly, Cairo. And I think he's still, uh, Chief's still trying to decide if that left wing is either Saad or Shen. The guy that's not with O'Reilly of those two will will drop down to the third line, but he's still he's still got some things to sort through on that uh, on that third line and 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 the fourth line. And a guy like Josh Levo has made a statement. Uh, Martin Furk, fellas in Arizona, he was on the power play. There's something about a 105 mile an hour shot that you notice and. Uh, uh, I think it was neighbors got the tip in. I, I, I the shot was so hard. I thought it was going to break neighbors blade for the, for the uh, tip in, but I think now it's going to be awful tough for him to make the roster. He did skate, but he's not quite there yet. And camp is so condensed. You know, if you, you miss a few days and your guy trying to make the team, it's going to be tough, but you know, these things kind of sort themselves out. We've seen it sort themselves out on defense because we know it's going to be uh, Mikola and Bartuzzo now, and uh, unless suddenly in whatever games he has left, uh, uh, Zachary Bolduc, he just, he just, ha- he's been okay, but he just hasn't flashed like Thomas did a few years back or like neighbors did. So it definitely looks like he's junior bound unless he, he suddenly comes alive and he's in the, he's in the game group tonight. Isn't he Tommy? I think. Yes. He is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So unless he flashes tonight or whatever he's got left. So it's 
kind of sorting itself out. Yeah, and you know, you're looking at the fourth line where you see Achari and Walker, and then you know, Barubi not giving the the biggest of endorsements to uh, to Klum Koston uh, based on his first uh, appearances in camp as for that fourth line spot. And I tell you, Alexei Dorobchenko is doing more and more in practice every day, and you wonder how how far away he is uh, from playing. If he's not ready opening day. He could be ready not long after that. By the way, what a pleasant young man. <laughs> no, Dropchenko, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. very yeah. outgoing. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I could see him becoming, I could see him not only establishing himself as a human missile, but as a as a ch- chatty guy and just for small talk in the in the room there. No, so it's good to see. Yeah, I guess, you know, um, Tom, this is just going to be just, Blues fans are just going to be in, sitting in just stunned silence, disbelief that, such an assessment would come down the pike for, for poor uh, Clem Costa. And it just, uh, you know, where are we on like year seven of this uh, JT? <laughs> I, you know, at some point <laughs> the chiefs here, the chiefs, the coach, you exaggerate how you got to impress just slightly. Yeah. So, you know, dude, you gotta, you gotta do something that you get, this guy is pretty clear about what he's looking for. He's, it's no mystery. I mean, come on, man. But yeah. Clem Costin was taken in the same draft as Robert Thomas. And yeah. you know, so yeah. now the thing with Tarpchenko, uh, again, we got for Ruby, they're still practicing uh, twice, uh, you know, two groups. Uh, we got talked to Ruby before we saw Tarpchenko in the non game group. Uh, and Steve Ott, he was up against the boards, and Steve Ott's shoving him in the back, shoving him back. So he's getting kind of contact ready, which begs the question has he been cleared for contact? And even in the, in the second practice, they were doing five on five. Uh, Tom and I and some others were watching and then Torbchenko was out there and, and, and he was jostling, jostling people. And so if we'd got Barubi after we'd say, has he been cleared for contact? That's, that's the last step. Once he's cleared for contact, then, you know, you're ready to launch off the runway. So yeah, it's, it's not going to be late November or early December for Torbchenko. It's going to be much earlier and uh, that's not good news for these guys trying to find a roster spot. And just, yeah, a quick thing on Costin. I mean, he's got a prototype NHL power forward body. He skates well for a big man. He's got an NHL caliber shot, and yet it just hasn't meshed. And that's kind of the uh, kind of been the puzzle of Clem Costin for yo know, these many years, Jeff. I don't know if it's seven, but yeah, these many years. <laughs> And, and he's, if they send him down, he's got to go through waivers. So, you know, is it, you know, the clock is running on, uh, on Clem Costin here. Yeah. And that's why everybody wants to trade him to the coyotes. You know, the whole Dimitri Yashkin thing did not work out at all for Bill Armstrong last year. I think Yashkin played like 10 minutes and got hurt and that was the end of it. And he's back in Russia. Um, so everybody wants to throw him into a package to get, uh, a chicken, but, um, because, you know, I think at this point, if he gets sent down, he, he probably goes back to Russia. I mean, I think it's just about, you know, uh, does he want to be Martin Furk and play, you know, get it score 40 goals at an advanced stage in the American hockey league, or does he just want to go home? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate, but it's, you know, I mean, it's the process of competition. Meanwhile, on the other end of the spectrum, a guy that uh, will always earn chief points, uh, Jake neighbors, he mentioned his uh, deflection goal. 
Um, he's in, he's engaged. He's, uh, he's doing all the things that, uh, he's a guy with a pretty good sense of details to his game. He's picked up the skating a bit, a little more creative with his offense. Uh, seems like a plug and play guy, maybe not every night, but, um, I guess it's hard to imagine him not, even if Torpchenko is going to be on the horizon, I got to think there's a place for neighbors as well. Yeah. I, I, I don't see a scenario uh, where neighbors isn't on the team now. And I, I was kind of a little bit in doubt there because he, to me, he's been very impressive and uh, uh, his penalty killing both in Traverse city and the couple of preseason ga- preseason games that he's played has been very impressive. He's had like four or five breakaways on these, uh, on the, on the PK. Now they haven't uh, released any goals. One of them, as soon as he got the puck, this was in Chicago at mid ice, he lost his stick. So he's skating down the ice, kind of stick handling with his skates down the ice. And then of course he couldn't shoot at the, uh, at the uh, Blackhawks uh, goalie because you can't kick the puck in, <laughs> but uh, he's, he, and you know, we have to keep in mind with uh with Scandella gone, of course, Scandella, not a forward, but Bozak was a key guy on the PK. So uh, they could use a guy like neighbors on the penalty kill. I, he's, he's been superb there and he's always been a guy with some sandpaper in his game, but he is really, really hitting people this year. That hit he put on the Arizona player in Wichita, <laughs> it was a clean hit. It was a body check in the neutral zone. And he literally knocked the helmet off the guy. And then the guy, uh, with his helmet going to the ice, the player also fell to the ice. And uh, you can never have enough of those guys, you know, and, and his skating has picked up a little bit. Yeah, I could see him being a uh, being on the third line, being one of the wings on the third line to start the season. Um, at, but, yeah, all of a sudden it's, um, you know, especially if Torpchenko's back, it, it's um, there will be some tough decisions that they'll have to make on who to keep and who to send down and who to maybe – look to trade for something else. Yeah. An interesting case. And because he had the ultimate, uh, a guy who makes everybody's list for a regression this year, just because what he did last year was not sustainable. Ivan Barbashev had kind of a circumstances worked in his favor. He was able to put up production that was outsized based on his inflated shooting percentage, uh, some more offensive opportunity than he could normally expect. Uh, and the team wide success, just scoring at a high rate, uh, relatively, uh, you know, to five on five ice time. This uh, nobody expects him to match last year's numbers, but if he were to end up drifting back to the fourth line and, and losing some offensive opportunity uh, and at, at a time when he's trying to take the next step financially moving forward and future contracts, uh, he's kind of an interesting spot here. I mean, he's a guy that I, I don't, I don't think he's an emerging talent. I think last year was probably just more opportunity and luck based. Uh, we know he's a good player, but he's going to start getting into his earning years, you know, down the road here. Uh, and it's going to be a couple of years before the cap goes up. So and then all of this and with the potential for him landing back on the fourth line, it, it creates an interesting, um, at least for him, an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it is. And I don't think it's it's guaranteed that, that uh, he starts out on the uh, third line. But uh, yeah, keep in mind last year. So yeah, you talk about an all over the map player. He reached such a point last year where he was going so well, he was getting regular power play duty at the expense of Brandon Saad. Saad wasn't playing on the first or second unit with Barbashev. Barbashev also got some first line time. And yeah, there I'd say it would be a very plausible thing that uh, that he could end up on the fourth line. 
all these other guys, again, I think Ferk, this just a, these few days off will hurt him. Uh, of all these other guys, the Matt Highmores, the the, the Tyler Pitlicks, I, I Josh Levo definitely seems like the guy who's in the driver's seat in that group to get a spot. Uh, but Ruby's talked a lot about how he, he loves his, his play along the boards and his competitiveness and uh, his ability in front of the net and, and that he'll score a goal every, every now and then. And so I would say he's at, uh, he's at the leader of the pack of that group. But, but again, we've got five games left and a lot could change. Yeah, and Levo's got good defensive numbers. His defensive analytics are very high. You know, getting back to Barbashev, here's the baffling thing about his numbers. He is a great penalty killer, but he is not a great five-on-five -five defensive player. Um, so, you know, he's, he's going to be a great guy to put out there, you know. And so maybe you want to, you know, watch his minutes and not have him play third-line minutes and have more fourth-line minutes because he's just not good five-on-five -five defensively, but uh, great on the PK. Yeah, not great on the draw either. And, you know, and again, just just by being in the league, as long as he has and he's put up some numbers now, there's going to be an expectation earning wise. So, uh, you know, boy, following last year's act will be difficult unless a bunch of guys get hurt and he's forced into a lot of top six play, which can happen, as we know, in the, in the NHL. There is a it does seem the chief would really like to get himself settled with a with a third line, maybe there's four guys into three, but he like a fourth line that he can count on to do what they got in the, uh, the, the cup run and what all the good teams are looking for, you know, with, uh, with that group, you know, the, the reliability to, uh, to, to bang around, to, to, to be a checking line, uh, to be a, an energy line, but more than energy to be able to check pin in and generate momentum and even our scoring opportunities, well, it seems like they got a lot of guys that could fit into that. You know, Walker played with energy last year. Achari's got a good uh, uh, pedigree. Uh, you talk about Levo being around the league. He's got experience. Uh, Barbashev obviously can bang around. Um, they have the potential for that. Uh, JT, how would you see, what would you think would be an optimal group if you could just pick three guys to leave into that role in the wake of the losing Dakota Joshua, which was heartbreaking for me, uh, putting him out of the scenario because he's in Vancouver, what would you like to see there? Uh, you know, Walker and Tarpchenko were, were very good on that, that fourth line. That was kind of late in the year. That was the best uh, kind of kind of look that the fourth line had last year. Uh, I would say Achari, is, he's definitely on the team, and he's a fourth line guy. And now maybe he could be a guy with injuries or whatever, could, could move up to the third line. But uh, you know, if Torbchenko were healthy right away, I would say uh, we'd have uh, a Chari flanked by uh, uh, Torbchenko and Walker with maybe uh, uh, Levo as uh, one of the extra forwards. Uh, again, it, some of this is depending on what happens with the third line. So let's say we have Sha, uh, 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 Shen and Saad. One of those two guys is on the third line. You've got neighbors, you've got Barbashev, you've got Brown. So one of those four uh, won't be on the third line. And so they'll be on the fourth line. And maybe one of those guys that we mentioned, uh, Achari, Walker, and uh, Torpchenko uh, would be kicked into extra status. Again, we don't know for sure that uh, what's happening with Torpchenko, but it's, it's looking more and more like he's going to be ready very soon. 
Yeah, they, you know, I think the, yeah, I think the perfect fourth line or the ideal one would be the, and we haven't seen much of Achari yet, but Achari with Walker and Torpchenko, I think that's a group uh, that they could get and stick with. Um, if, but that assumes that they've got, at that point, there's going to be an extra forward somewhere uh, that they're going to probably want to play. So um, there, are, there are other factors. At that point, you know, maybe Nathan Walker becomes a scratch if you have to move Barbashev down to the fourth um, or Torpchenko, but we know how much Baruby likes Torpchenko's game. So he's going to be tough to come out. Yeah, and this kind of just also points to the uh, – I look at Logan Brown. We talked about the positive potential opportunity for him. But for me, he's third line or bust. I think he's demonstrated pretty clearly that this is not the type of guy you can put on the fourth line. That's not – is he going to go out there and play with a maniacal tempo and uh, hurl himself in front of shots and, and look to crush people and and just, you know, take – nine or 10 minutes if that's what he gets in a given game and, and, and absolutely max out. Uh, I don't think that's him. I think he's got to be an offensive guy. It's he's in that long, long line of guys, you know, scoring line or bust. And, you know, in today's NHL, the third line is a scoring line. You know, you are going to, cause you're going to use O'Reilly in matchups. You're going to use your fourth line in matchups and your third line, you know, we'll get some offensive zone starts. We'll get some sheltered usage. We'll get some opportunity. So, uh, this is all very, this really has been a good discussion to look at the dynamics of guys, the pluses and minuses of, of how they can push up or fall down and how they would fit uh, potentially. Yeah. I mean, the stakes are high. And I guess JT, this is a good, this was a good time to have a really full exhibition slate and a full preparation for a season, because frankly, this team's going to need that to sort through it. Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, you know, eight games, maybe a record. For the Blues, there may have been one season where they, they had eight scheduled and then the, the plane wasn't ready for they had plane <laughs> issues going to Columbus and they they didn't play it. But uh, and Baruby says has said in these early games, they want to take a look at everybody. The only player that didn't get in a preseason game that will not be on the roster is Will Cranley, who's been sent out with juniors. And he played in all three games in Traverse Cities and they, they had six. They have six goalies or had six goalies in camp. Another thing, though, about this whole third line, fourth line dynamics is I think Jake Neighbors, and I don't know if you guys agree, I think his game is probably more suited to be a fourth line guy just because of the little things he does. And mm-hmm. uh, he will hit people and he'll play with energy. But do, do we all remember uh, uh, Doug Armstrong? I think it was the Cairo signing basically said third liner bust for Neighbors, that if he's not going to get third line minutes, that he'd be better suited playing in the AHL. And as we all know, I mean, Baruby decides who plays once the games are, but uh, Armstrong decides who makes the roster. So that'll, that'll be very interesting to see how that shakes out. I, I, I just think Jake Neighbors deserves to open the season again on, on the big squad. Yeah, the factor of asset management comes into play. And do you say, well, Neighbors is a guy we can send down to the minors and we don't have to lose one of these guys and, he can get some pro games and it, I don't think he's at a point in his career where he won't gain anything from, from playing in the AHL. It's like Armstrong said, you know, Perunovic is past the AHL. He's mastered that. I, you know, neighbors has probably got things he could, he could benefit from uh, if he were to play there, but at the same time, you know, if, if he's ready for the NHL, blame in the NHL, but yeah, um, it's the third line is going to be the place uh, for neighbors right now. Yeah, I, to bring up a reference that will show my age, 
Uh, you always want to develop a guy at his age, make sure that he develops all of his offensive side to make sure that you don't throw him into a role because he does A and B well, but you don't, um, but you don't get the offense developed. You know, a thousand years ago, uh, Herb Raglan came in and he was a physical player and you got to use him as a physical player because he was, he could run over people. Great guy. Herbie's a great guy, but he never developed much of an offense. Uh, Jocelyn Mew came in as a, as a high pick. Now he ends up having a decent NHL career, but he didn't develop the offensive side of his game. He could hit like a truck and that was his role. He could hit like a truck, but he never developed the offensive side. They needed players. He got to play at the NHL level at a young age and he didn't develop that side. So the, the other side besides asset management is you want the guy to develop a skill, make sure he fully develops a skill set. Something which we might, we must add going back to Clem Costin never really happened there. You know, he never really produced at the sort of level that say Perunovich did when he went down to the minors and, and as so many other guys have. So uh, that for sure is interesting with, uh, with him. All right. Last thing on the net front this time around would be the goaltending uh, JT had a chance to look at both uh, Binner, who's got his head screwed back on, apparently, and then uh, Thomas Grice, who's been around the league forever. Uh, how do you how do you uh, assess the the top two goaltenders? Well, uh, they look ready, and I would say if you ask me through three games, what's the one thing in terms of positives, the one overriding thing? I would say it's the goaltending it has been very reassuring, and not just them, but the guys behind them. Colton Ellis had a terrible time up at Traverse City. Uh, to the point where one of the uh, readers on uh, uh, the Blues chat with Tom called him trash. And then he, he, he played uh, just spectacularly in, uh, in, in Dallas, played the final two periods. So he will go down to the minors with uh, feeling good about himself. And I tell you, the, the, the most surprising thing in terms of players uh, in this camp has been Vadim Zarenko. I we didn't even know he existed. He'd never been in the United States. He looked like one of these late round Russian guys that we'd never see. And he was, he was superb in Chicago. He enters the game, uh, two, uh, two big, uh, the, the blues as a whole, the team was tired six, six days in a row for practice and our games. And, uh, uh, in his first five, six minutes, uh, Chicago has, uh, has two, uh, two power plays and, and, uh, uh, it definitely looks like he's moved ahead of Ellis in the, in the top four in the system. But yeah, Bennington has looked very sharp. Grice looked very sharp one period. We'll, we'll get another look at him uh, tonight. But just in terms of their puck awareness, being aggressive, moving out on the puck. And uh, I just wonder if having a guy like Grice will be better for Bennington because Grice knows his spot on the food chain. He's been a 1B or a backup almost his entire career. Maybe one year he was the main guy. But it wasn't the case with Huso. And I just wonder, Bennington, a little bit of this, he's looking over his shoulder at, at Huso. And Huso carried the carried the load in like Jan, uh, December and much of December and January. He, he won't get that feeling uh, with Grice. But, yeah, they, they look very good. Again, these are just little stepping stones as we approach the season. But I don't think you could ask for uh, – a much better outlook uh, right now, this snapshot right now of, of how the top two goalies look. Yeah, those first couple of minutes for Zarenko, I was like fearing the worst. Chicago's buzzing all around and it's like, they're, they're going to get, they're going to goal. You know, welcome to the NHL. And he got through it. He, he may not have been the most incredibly fluid uh, piece of goaltending, but it, he, he did it and um, they got through it and he settled down and got into his game after that. So um, yeah, the, the depth is there. And um you know, goalies, 
you know, it's things things change real quick. So, but right now, um, it seems to be in a good position. All right. Well, that's been the, this edition of the Netfront Presence. We'll be back again next week. More preseason activity, uh, more sorting will occur. But you're getting you're getting a pretty good look at this team, what they have, a few spots where there's some energy for some competition. Unfortunately, where there have been some problems, it's uh, it's been a pretty clear picture so far. We'll be back next week with more uh, updates. Until then, for Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been the Netfront Presence on STLToday.com. Remember to subscribe to the paper, subscribe digitally, enjoy all of our products. Until next time, see ya.